It's time for episode 391 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's always springs, because it's clocks. Anyways, I'm Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-host, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I get it. Okay. (laughs) Springs. I don't don't need your sympathy laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well, Dan, after that... convoluted pun uh as convoluted as the the tinkerings inside of a clock uh it's getting better as it goes though it ages like a fine wine (laughs) uh this is of course the tech podcast where we invite on two fantastic guests to talk four tech topics with us in just 30 minutes to my left this week it's the co-host of automators right here at relay fm nested folders ios today a writer of take control of shortcuts geez she's got way too many qualifications to list them all it's rosemary orchard welcome back rosemary thank you very much i, I found a spare cock what do i do with this <laughs> oh no oh uh that's probably not important i wouldn't worry about it <laughs> Okay, we're fine then. <laughs> as long as it keeps ticking. Uh, Collector Springs. And to my left, we are joined by news editor at iMore and occasionally over on Android Central. It's Stephen Warwick. Welcome back to the show, Stephen. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to see that the jokes haven't got any better since the last time I was here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, let's not Ooh, invite this geez, one back. Man, coming, up, coming up on like eight years of this show, they're not all going to be winners is what I say. Uh, all right, I'm going to kick things off this week. Uh, so in the wake of the HomePod being discontinued, there are rumors that Apple may be working on a HomePod with a display. Have you used any smart speakers with screens? Do you think this is an interesting idea? Is there? Does this product have sort of a future? Rosemary, what do you think? Well, I have not used a smart speaker with a screen. Um, I wish I'd seen these rumors earlier because I may have made some purchases this week that were based <laughs> on solving problems with screens. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, however, um, I really like this idea. I, I'm very much after some kind of home dashboardy thing. Uh, I've seen some people talking about the idea of like a, a speaker with MagSafe and a new iPad. And so when you put the, the iPad on the speaker, it becomes like a, a home dashboardy type thing. That would be amazing. Uh, Apple probably aren't going to make that happen because why would they do that when they can sell me a smart speaker, a smart speaker with a screen and an iPad? Um, you know, because you've got to have all the things. That's that's how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I generally like the idea. It would be nice to have dashboards around the place. I realized recently I moved in September. I don't have clocks. I have to look at my devices, which when you're not wearing one and there's no clocks and you have to wake up your Mac to check what the time is, feels kind of over the top um so uh, i'm sorry rosemary do you not know what show you're on are you not watching the clock i know i know i'm always watching it it's just (laughs) watching it is entirely different thing so um yeah i i think this would be pretty darn cool especially if you can integrate it with some you know other cool things so i mean i'm presuming it would probably have reminders integration if it had kind of face id then it could show me one display but maybe my parents would see a different display with different information in um so i i think it would be pretty darn cool 
Yeah, I'm with you, Rosemary. Um, I have Amazon's Echo Show, uh, two of them, two two different sizes, and I quite like those. Uh, there have been a recent update to the UI that has even improved upon it more, so you get news on the left or some sort of th- uh, thing that you've added on the left with like weather on the right, and it can tell you, um, you know, uh, news of the day and, and recipes and all that kind of stuff, um, and when it comes to having a device that's just constantly going through your photos, that's what's what I really enjoy about it is I can look over at it and just have a little delightful moment of, oh, yeah, I remember that memory. Um, so if Apple made a display that you already know is going to have a really nice screen, um, you know, more akin to the Nest Hub Max that Google offers uh, with good audio and a good screen, and as you pointed out, some other options, plus the privacy uh, that one can expect from Apple. I think all of those things can come together to make something that I would be more interested in having in my home than any of the other uh, displayed smart speaker devices. And I mean, I'm already sold on those. I have some. So yeah, I'm, I hope so. My fingers are crossed for sure. Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, it's um. Hey, first off, rest in peace to the HomePod. Like, what a run it's been. Um, I uh, I, I think the HomePod was really underrated, and uh, I think it's a real shame that it's gone. I like Rosemary. I haven't used a smart device uh, like a smart speaker with a screen, and I think I'm a little less sold on it. Um, for me, it would depend on the size of the screen and kind of what we're using it for. I think if it was like a smaller, like an iPhone size display, where you know you've got maybe like the temperature or the weather. Um, or some widgets on there i think that would be really cool something to just glance at maybe as you walk by um for me if it was like a, a bigger screen you know like an ipad attached to a smart speaker it would probably appeal to me less we already have um a lot of home pods we've got a lot of ipads in the house and whilst i can kind of see the use case for you know Oh, I'm in the kitchen preparing a meal um follow along with a recipe or, or make a call to a to a family member or something like that for me, I would much prefer, you know, like a smaller screen, um, you know, that you can just glance at. Because actually one of the things that I really like about the HomePod is how discreet it is. So, you know, you can pop it away uh, like on a nightstand or just in a bookshelf. And sometimes you don't even notice it's there. So for me personally, I, I think the appeal would come with like a smaller screen uh, that you can just glance at, you know, rather than like a like a big hub, like literally like an iPad just stuck to a to a HomePod. That's what that's what I would want to see. Let's just glue an iPad to a speaker. Done. Problem solved. On to the next one. Um, I have a Google. I don't even know which one this is. It was the first one that Google made with a screen. Google, which I think is now the Nest Hub. It was called the Home Hub when I bought it um, on my desk here. I like it a lot. Um, I don't use a lot of the features from it. but And honestly, the thing that I've ended up using it the most for is one, uh, like Rosemary was saying, it has a clock on it, which is nice. Um, it also has like usually like the current weather conditions, but mainly it's basically a digital photo frame like i pointed it at a folder full of photos in my google drive uh and it just sort of runs through those and i like that a lot i think it works nicely it's very unobtrusive in the background and like i I don't actually use the smart features as much but i could envision something with closer ties to apple's ecosystem that incorporates features like that pulling down your photos maybe displaying some widgets as steven suggested um i think there's something to that uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if Apple wants to go in that direction or not. Um, I, I like the HomePod as well. I've got one on my desk as well. Um, I think the, the biggest thing holding it back was Siri and I'm not sure a screen fixes that necessarily, but, uh, perhaps there's something they could do with it. 
Thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Rosemary. With pages, numbers, and keynote going to version 11 and getting some new features, I'm wondering how often do you actually use these apps and what do you use them for? And are you excited about new features like this? I never use pages and keynote anymore. I use them a lot uh, in university. I say that for the uh, <laughs> the people across the pond on the show. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I, uh, like those ones pretty regularly would use those. But now most of of the word processing and stuff like that that I do is related to work and we use uh, G Suite at work. So that stuff happens in Google's different online document editors. Uh, but I do use numbers occasionally and mostly that's for budgety type things, um, planning around Christmas particularly. Uh, and then whenever I was moving, I, I was keeping track of all of the finances involved in, you know, moving 26 hours away from where I was before. And yes, I measure things in <laughs> in duration as opposed to actual mileage. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I don't really use those. And so I don't, uh, I, I, cool new features are great, but not anything that I care about. What about you, Stephen? I think I'm in the same boat. I so let me think. I have never used Keynote um, like you. It was uh, Microsoft PowerPoint all through school uh, and university as well. Uh, and since then, I have never had cause uh, to make a presentation. Um, I use Pages, uh, thankfully not very often, uh, when I need a new job because that's where I keep my resume. Um, I really like Pages. Um, I just feel like it was a bit more tactile, um, a lot easier to format things. I really like the kind of the style I could get out of there. Um, you know, when you're just trying to to put across yourself to like a potential employer. Um, I really like the results that come out of Pages as opposed to something like Microsoft Word. So I only use Pages uh, when I need to update my resume or if I'm applying for a job. So hopefully not for a while. Um, the one we probably use the most is Numbers. So me and my wife use this a lot um, for our budgeting. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it, it's great because, you know, we've got all the different Apple devices. We can have our budget there and you can visit the mm -hmm. budget and it's updated at any one time. So, you know, if you're in the store, um, you can jump on your iPhone. There's the budget. You can do it on your iPad in the house. We can get around the Mac together uh, and we can have a look. So we use numbers um, a lot more than the other two and we use it almost exclusively uh, for budgeting. My wife's an accountant as well, so she's a she's a real sucker for that sort of thing. So I just sort of let her, her take the reins. But yeah, in, in terms of, I had a quick look, there was nothing uh, for me in kind of the, the new updates that uh, uh, that rung any bells or, um, you know, got me excited. So uh, yeah. Uh, I actually use all of these and I use them with varying degrees of frequency. I use numbers pretty much every day. It's where I track all my income and expenses for my freelance work which is all of my work. I use pages for all of my invoice work um, because it's a lot lighter weight than using something like Word. It has a nice template. Uh, so I have like my templates saved in there and I go in and, and submit them every month when I'm turning in those. And I use Keynote for probably the least of all of them. I actually find it is a fun tool sometimes for doing things like um, uh, some of the stuff you do in like diagramming apps because it's got some nice tools for like laying out shapes and like putting notes in and stuff like that. Uh, I used it just the other day for designing uh, like a title thing for a little movie I was doing because you could do animation stuff in there that you can't do in iMovie. Uh, and I had to give a talk recently uh, in Keynote via Zoom. And actually, 
that was the thing that there was a huge update to, which I mentioned this morning on Twitter, which is so you could they added the ability to present your slideshow in a window, which is nice because then you can sort of do window capture for that. But then there was no way to see your notes or the upcoming slides. And this time they added a separate window where you can see all like your presenter view while presenting in a window in like separate windows. And I was like, that would have saved me so much trouble last time because <laughs> I had to set up this whole thing with like, all right, I'm going to use my iPad with a sidecar as a second display and I'm going to have my presenter view on there and I'm going to have my full screen view in the main window and I won't be able to see the camera while I'm talking because it takes over the entire screen. And I was like, oh, if I'd waited six weeks, they would have fixed that problem. And then Numbers has a big improvement on the iOS side, which was a few versions back. They added this like edit mode, which was stupid because you had to open a spreadsheet and then you could look at it and then you had to type edit if you want to change anything. It's like, I rarely go into spreadsheets where I don't want to change something. So they added a preference where you can have it always open in edit mode. I'm like, thank God, because that saves me so much time. Rosemary, why don't you wrap us up here? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that, you know, these these apps are still getting some love and updates because I think, you know, most of us who end up on podcasts are not necessarily doing the same things as the people who actually listen to the podcast. Um, I know uh, a, a decent portion of my mom's job involves sitting there and writing documents and manipulating data in spreadsheets so that she can get the information that she needs to write it into the documents. Um, and I have filled it more than a few tech support calls of, wait, how do I do this random thing in Excel? And I'm there going, well, I can tell you how to do it in numbers, but of course the functions don't quite line up. Um, so I, you know, it's good that these exist and that they're being used. I mostly use Keynote, like like uh, mentioned, for animating things. Um, and uh, I, I dust off pages and numbers every once in a while. I most recently used pages to reorganize my office because I could add rectangles mm-hmm. at one tenth of the size of each piece of furniture in my office with the dimensions <laughs> of everything on there and drag it around. And you know what? It's really easy to move a rectangle on screen. It's not so easy to pick up your desk and move it. So I'm really glad I did that um, <laughs> because it allowed me to see where where my problem was. And uh, I actually now have a newly organized office, which I'm enjoying. Um, so yes, it's good that these are now free originally back in the day. You had to pay for them if you didn't get them uh, included and then you got them included and, and now they're they're just here. For everybody, I believe. Um, and it's good that they're still getting updates, though. I really wish we would get uh, beta versions of these over the mm, summer, along mm. with the beta versions of the operating systems. That would be nice. All right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which, of course, means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Well, you've been listening to this podcast. How would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem out of luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues, and they'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom, and Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, halftime has concluded, and Micah Sargent, you are up. 
Yeah. So Bloomberg uh, brought in iFixit and said, hey, we heard this thing. Can you take apart the HomePod Mini and let us know if it's true? And inside of the HomePod Mini near the power cable, there is a tiny little Texas Instruments uh, temperature and humidity sensor in the HomePod Mini. As far as we can tell, it is not currently being used. Um, and could be a sensor that eventually gets turned on that would allow uh, for temperature and humidity tracking. It could also just be that it's uh, an internal sensor used to make sure that, you know, you're not using your HomePod mini near the shower. But that's beside the point. My question for you is, do you have any temperature and humidity sensors in your home? Um, If you do, how do you use them? And if not, would adding a temperature and humidity sensor to your home be of interest to you? Stephen, we'll start with you. So I live in Edinburgh in Scotland, where the average annual temperature is 49 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) So we don't have any humidity in Scotland. So we don't have any humidity sensors. We have one... I don't know how it works, um, heating your house in the US, but we have a thermostat um, that controls our boiler and all the radiators, and that has one temperature sensor on it. And the only thing we use that for, really, is to think, God, it's getting a bit cold. Should we pop the heating on? And you go over to the thermostat and you see, oh, actually, it's quite warm in the house. Maybe I should just put a jumper on. Or, oh my gosh, it's 14 (laughs) degrees. Maybe we should put the heating on. That's the only temperature sensor we have and and the only one we would make use for. I am less enthused about the humidity temperature thing. I would be more interested. It's hard because we're talking about something that we know is already in the HomePod as opposed to a future feature. But I would be more interested in like um, like an air quality sensor because I've been mm-hmm. doing a little bit of mm-hmm. of looking into that, and I know that there are you know real benefits to monitoring your air quality, CO two levels, that kind of thing. I actually have several because I live in New England, and it is at various times very humid and very dry. Um, so there's I have a Eve degree in our bedroom which tracks the temperature and the humidity. I also have one in the basement, um, and we had a dehumidifier down there, and we sort of keep an eye on that. Um, we have a Ecobee thermostat in the new house which has a temperature thing, and in fact, nice. I just bought a couple. There was a deal on some Ecobee sensors, the remote sensor, yes. so I just bought a couple of those too. Um, so I have these things all over the place. Do I use them? I mean, I try. I don't know. Maybe I could be getting more out of them. I still need to think about that. So I like the idea of having one in the HomePod Mini. I also think it points towards larger sort of, um, you know, smart home tech approaches from Apple. You know, to Stephen's point, there's a lot of other stuff they could add in there if they're so inclined. So I'm kind of curious to see if anything comes of this whatsoever. But I do think there's some utility to them. So I like the idea of Apple sort of heading in that direction. Uh, I have all of the sensors in all of the places. (laughs) Um, For people who don't know me and follow me, I have a lot of home automation gear. So I have uh, Philips Hue sensors, which uh, detect motion light levels, but also temperature. I have some Aquarius sensors, which detect uh, temperature, pressure, and humidity. Uh, And I have one of those in my bathroom, which is really good because it sends me a notification if the humidity in my bathroom rises too much so that I know to go and turn on the extractor fan because that's not connected to the light like it is in most UK places. Um, But I do actually use my sensors a lot because uh, unlike Stephen, uh, I I live in a flat and I have electric heating, um, which I specifically uh, got uh, with plugs rather than plugged like wired straight into the wall so I could put smart plugs in between it. And I'm running a home assistant uh, to basically connect the the heater with... um, the temperature sensor to create a thermostat in HomeKit so I can say to heat the bedroom to 15 degrees or something, um, you know, during the day and then 
it's never too cold when I go in there. Um, which works really well. I would be really interested if um, Apple start shipping devices with these sensors and we can actually use them. You know, it would be great to just have this stuff built into more things. There are so many devices out there. I also have a Netatmo weather system and some other Netatmo sensors because of an experiment that I'm running. Um, and it's it's interesting to see this data and just to be aware of things like, hey, actually the CO2 levels in, in my bedroom are always really, really high. And when they're really, really high, then I get a headache. Well, I should make a point of making sure I ventilate the air more frequently and open windows and things like that, which when it's cold in the winter is not so much fun, but not quite as cold as Edinburgh down here. I thank you all for your answers on that, of course. Would go on for a long time if I could, but I can't. So I'll just quickly say uh, I have several temperature and humidity sensors in my home, uh, including Eve's new uh, weather. Of course, that's not inside my home. That's um, on my my back patio. But um, people underestimate the importance of humidity when it comes to health. Uh, our bodies produce mucus, which is slightly acidic uh, by its very nature. It's meant to be. And when we do not have proper humidity in a space, our bodies produce mucus to try to uh, compensate for that lack of moisture. And if that mucus stays in place, like overnight, for example, if you run a fan on you, you're more likely to have this happen then that mucus will cause light chemical burns in your sinuses. And so then you start to become more stuffy. You start to experience, uh, you're, you're more susceptible to allergies, all sorts of things that can lead to respiratory issues, etc. Um, so for me, temperature and humidity is important, not for just the ambient temperature in the space and knowing if how my body feels is relative to the actual temperature, but more importantly for health. Uh, I would love to see air quality be added as an option with these other sensors as well. Uh, let us move on to our final topic, which comes from Stephen. All right. So we thought maybe that there was going to be an Apple event this week. That obviously turned out not to be true. And one of the rumored products um, is AirTags. So you, you might not believe this. We heard about AirTags first back in April 2019. And like two years later, they're still nowhere to be seen. We've heard what they might do, how we'll use them, even what we think they'll look like, but we still have nothing to show for it. And I, for one, am absolutely sick of talking about them uh, with with no product release to go with them. So I want to know, does anybody even care about AirTags anymore? No, next question. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool, thanks for having uh, I actually think, <laughs> I think it would be hilarious if, uh, if uh, Tim Cook announced them about a week from tomorrow, uh, and then it turned out to be a really elaborate hoax that they've been perpetrating on us for the last two years, uh, where it turns out it was just all designed to like find all the people leaking information. John Prosser would probably have to shave his whole head, I think, if that happened. I, I, yeah, it would be pretty risky. I mean, I guess they're good for finding some things then. <laughs> I, hey! Oh, boy. Uh, I, yes, I think that the biggest trouble Apple's had with this product in some ways is that timing it with the pandemic where people aren't leaving their house for the most part these devices have seemed relatively not useful for a lot of people so i think i like i like the idea the technology behind it seems cool but in some ways yeah the buildup of two years means that there's no matter when they release them it's going to be kind of anticlimactic so maybe they're kind of like the inverse version of the air power where we talk about for a long time and then they do come out and nobody cares 
I really want AirTags. Uh, Victor in the, in the chat room has just made a good point. Uh, he had a tile on his work ID badge and the battery died three over 300 days ago. I recently had the exact same thing. Um, and I realized I am never going back into the office. I literally live in another country now. Um, so the chances of me going back into the office on a regular enough basis to want a tile on my keys is nil and I had a spare set of house keys that I wanted to attach a finder to so I moved it over but I would really like to just have something slightly better that integrates more easily with my devices um, I would love to have one on the cat so that I know where she is ideally it would also beep every time she jumped on the counters so that she would not jump on the counters though being a cat she'd probably just pull it off and lose it or eat it um, because you know that's cats for you um, but it would it would be great to have these especially with the with the recent um, really or discovery that they will uh you'll be f- told if there's a tracker with you that's not yours um so that you you know and you can get rid of it because you know so all technology could be used for nefarious purposes and i'm really pleased that apple is thinking of this stuff so yes i care about air tags i want air tags give me air tags and i want purple ones so tim cook if you're listening which you have to be because this is the most important tech podcast out there purple air tags tomorrow please yeah, I do care about them, but only vaguely. It's kind of one of those things where you it's it's like protective skepticism is what I like to call it. Um or or protective realism, I guess, where I'm just trying to protect myself and not get my expectations up too much. Uh so that way if it does happen, I'll be pumped about it. And I, I will be glad that they finally do exist. But as it stands, um I'm just kind of letting them you know, the idea that they exist or don't exist float out there and not engaging with it. It's just sort of in the corner of my eye. And I'm like, yeah, I see you there. But, you know, maybe you'll be, maybe you won't. And that's okay. Uh, Stephen, why don't you round us out? Protective skepticism would be a great name for an indie band, by the way. Like that's has <laughs> just come to me. I am. Um, I think I agree, agree with all of that. I'm, I guess one big question we still have to answer is whether your AirTags warranty will cover uh, it being eaten by a cat um, which I guess r- remains to be answered. I I don't doubt that there'll be, you know, like a good and useful product, but I, I think I agree with Dan in that we, it's just been so long that, it, that whatever happens, even if they are, you, you know, a really excellent product, or they, they kind of they, they blow away the, the competition in that sector, that, that it will be anticlimactic. And, and certainly I am leaning now more towards the idea that AirTags have been this huge elaborate hoax uh, to canary trap all of the leakers and uh, tighten up the walls at Cupertino. I, I think that would be really something. Great answers. All right, that's four topics down. we got just enough time for a bonus topic. But before that, Mike is going to tell us about one of our other sponsors today. Yeah, it's called Delete Me. If you've ever Googled yourself, <laughs> then it can be kind of wild to see what private information is available for others to see. In fact, there's an entire world of shady companies out there that collect and sell your personal information. They're called data brokers, and they know your phone number, your home address, your political affiliations, your dating preferences. An average data broker can possess more than 1,500 data points about each person. And it's the kind of data that can be used for cyber stalking, doxing, or identity theft. The good news is you can take one simple step to remove yourself from the majority of these data brokers. This is super cool. It's called Delete Me. 
and Delete Me is an anti-data broker. Uh, they've removed millions and millions of records from data brokers for the last 12 years and continue to fight for users' right to privacy. Folks, I signed up for a service called um, Have I Been Pwned? And just last night, I got a notification from Have I Been Pwned letting me know that I had been pwned. What does that mean? It means that my data uh, tied to my email address was either sold online on the dark web or made available through some sort of breach. And this one, folks, was a bad one. You want to know why? Because it was a data broker. Uh, This data broker had access to potentially not just uh, names and email addresses, but also social security numbers. So if you want to make sure that your data stays yours, you just go to joindeleteme.com slash clockwise and use code clockwise for a 20% discount. That's joindeleteme.com slash clockwise and clockwise for a 20% discount. Thanks so much to Delete Me for their support of this show and Relay FM. All righty, Dan, what is your bonus topic? All right, I want to know, what is your favorite pen color? And presumably we're talking about ink here. Rosemary? I believe it's eye paper eustoma, E-U-S-T-O-M-A. And it's a lovely purple shimmery ink. Uh, and when I'm not using that, I've recently been using uh, Diamine Mombotto's hat because it's also purple um, and pretty, and I like purple. Green, I don't care what pen it comes from or what, ink it is if it's green ink i'm happy with it oh, it's got to be black for me I, you gotta bear with me i'm a, I'm a lefty um it's very hard to find pens that when you write you don't immediately smudge the letters um that you've just written um and so once you found a pen like you stick with it for a long time um although i mean i haven't really written anything in like three to five years i don't think um but when i do it's got to be black nice and classic I have a couple of uh, Sharpie fine tips that I use for signing book plates and stuff. And I have a red one, a blue one, and a green one, which are all very nice. But mostly it's probably the black or blue. Yeah, it's boring. All right. Thanks for all your thoughts on that. We've reached the end of the show. And all that remains this week is to thank our fantastic guests, Rosemary Orchard. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure as always. And Stephen Warwick, thanks so much for joining us. Not at all. If you want me to write some jokes like for the next show or something, just just let me know. It's, Thank it's, you. It's, we can cool. use a punch up, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and Micah, that's all we have time for. But until next time, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>